Good morning, I'm Rosie. I'm going to do another podcast episode here. Today I'm going to be talking about not being safe. Um, now, what do I mean by that? When you're in a narcissistic relationship or in a relationship with a narcissistic person, the whole basis is how you don't feel safe. You're not safe with that person. And what I mean is, in my context, um, emotionally and on all those levels, you're not safe. Um, There are obviously many narcissists who are physically not safe as well. That's a whole other situation. I can't talk from that experience, but I can only imagine the horror that that would be. But my example and from my experience where I'm coming from, I'm talking about not feeling safe emotionally and on all those levels. Um, That stems back from very early on in my childhood. I did not feel safe. And what I mean by that is I I wasn't, I didn't feel safe emotionally there's no other way to say it um and how was that you may ask you just you you couldn't contribute anything safely and I feel a bit confused even saying that because it sounds a bit vague but um probably to put it in a bit to show it in a better way um just raising my own kids is what really showed me what my upbringing was like and the deficits and the things that weren't right there and so bringing up my kids they were very safe they still are um they could say anything to me and their dad and it would be okay we would listen to them, we would hear them, they were completely allowed to have an opinion about anything. Um, They were completely free to tell us anything. They've always known that, whatever they were going through, they were able to come to us and talk to us, even if it was something we weren't going to like. And even if it wasn't something that um, they didn't tell us, but we found out, maybe they got up to something. They were good kids, so it was never anything too bad. But maybe, you know, they'd been in trouble at school. They were safe for us to find out and help them deal with it. And they did not have fear. They didn't have fear of our wrath and our anger and our temper and our emotional outbursts and outrage and moods and all that sort of thing. So that puts a better example of what I didn't have. So I had all the opposite. Um, I was, you live constantly in fear of my mum's moods and all the things that I just said, emotional outbursts, um, you could, you could not have an opinion, you just couldn't. And if you ever did disagree with something, you, we were constantly hit with, we were always taught to honor our parents. And this is as an adult, as a young adult, I wasn't free 
to ever express anything. Um, if I ever caught my mum up, pulled her up on something, I was always taught to honour my parents. We just honoured our parents. I find that quite funny in a warped way because her father was very abusive. Um, so I don't think it's actually right to honour a man that had done some really bad things to his children. Um, but anyway, just coming back onto me, you just weren't free to ever say anything or question anything or express anything. Um, and that just in every context of being a child. So the last thing you ever wanted was for your mum to find out something you might have been up to. You would be in, it just wasn't even possible because she wouldn't handle it. She just wouldn't handle it. And I'm thinking more in the teenage years when, you know, we did get up to normal teenage stuff. There is no way our mother could have found out anything because it just, she just wouldn't have coped with it and just wasn't even a question. And because of that, I learned to lie. And I, that's not nice to admit to, but I did. I, I lied a lot. And that's because it was the only way I could do anything normal. It was the only way I could live like a normal kid and a normal teenager. So we actually, and I say we, because I'm talking about my twin sister, because we were always together right through our childhood and teenage years. We just learnt to lie all the time. So we would say we were going to a friend's place, but it might be a different friend's place. The funny thing is we had so much freedom as kids and teenagers. It's quite insane because we were, our parents were so strict and we had so many rules put on us. But our mum just didn't supervise us at all. So we just had freedom to pretty much go out and do whatever we wanted. She didn't really check on us. We roamed the streets a lot as kids and teenagers. I mean, this was back in the 70s and 80s, so things were a lot different then. But at the same time, we just were also that neglected that it's kind of like as long as we were out of her hair, she didn't really put much thought into where we might be and what we might be up to. And we did get up to a lot of stuff. Nothing really bad, just normal stuff. And we would go and hang out at friend's place or hang out at the bush and, you know, we did the normal stuff, like tried smoking and uh, just, just things and just wearing normal clothes. So we would borrow normal clothes or friends and might get changed when we got out of the house because we weren't allowed to wear most of the stuff that people were wearing of the day. So if we were lucky enough to find, be able to borrow something from a friend, like bikinis. That's how I was definitely not allowed to wear bikinis. So I started borrowing bikinis from a friend. And, um, you know, when I was out of sight of my mum, I'd put them on and wear them at the beach or wherever. But I had to be very deceptive just to be able to do the normal stuff. Um, and yeah, it makes me quite sad just talking about it because we just had to lie all the time to just get out. A, a funny thing that I used to do 
every Thursday night we'd go late night shopping and we'd just meet up with friends down at the local shopping centre and we would just hang out at the back of the shops. It wasn't a good thing to be doing, of course, but that's what we would do. And I would say every single Thursday to my mum that I just had to go and buy some cardboard for an art project. Every single week I'd say this and we'd managed to get dropped off at the shop this little shopping centre and picked up, you know, four hours later without a question. And we'd just been hanging out at the back of the shops the whole time. Um, and yeah, we did things like that all the time, just saying we were going, staying at a friend's place, but then we might go to a party. And, um, you know, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, you just did not feel safe at all. Um, in any way and you couldn't ask questions about normal stuff like we were not given any education on the facts of life and periods and all that sort of thing but I certainly never asked my mum like I just obviously knew just not to do that like it was not okay to ask her normal questions and that's very normal for kids to ask questions about everything kids have a healthy curiosity and they want to know about things and they need to know that's how they learn but we just didn't have the freedom to ask any questions and so we obviously learned just not to um, and that's not good because you just you're not educated as a child you don't get an education on just normal ways of life I'm just having a drink of water again and I am driving to work again um, and yeah there was so many examples of that sort of thing of me saying not being safe um, I just remember I have a very vivid memory of sitting around a dinner table one night and my family were all talking about a lady that my mum knew and she was, you know, I guess middle-aged and hadn't had children. She was married but didn't have children. And they were all sort of laughing about her not having kids and I don't know. I just, I just remember it being a yucky conversation. And me being me was always sort of thinking outside the square and I just said, and I was only like about eight or ten, I was only very young. And I said, well, maybe she can't have kids. And everyone just laughed at me, just absolutely ridiculed and laughed at me. And I felt so stupid and so dumb and so ridiculed. And, you know, later on in life when I, you know, I think about it, it was actually a valid question. Maybe she couldn't have children because they all just scoffed at me because obviously I didn't know where babies came from. And so that's why it was so ridiculous. But nobody thought to take me aside and give me a little talk or just explain a few things to me. I didn't know at that age, but I was never told. No, there was no point where anyone ever explained to me how it all worked. But at the same time, maybe the lady couldn't have children for other reasons. I just remember, what I remember is how I felt. I just felt so stupid and obviously unsafe to say anything. Um, 
so that's only a really small example but I just remember the feelings and those feelings are what I remember just throughout my childhood just that same the same feelings of just being ridiculed and not safe to say anything um another little example I was the heavier of the two of us twins I was just a little bit bigger than my sister and my oldest brother you know we with that everyone loved to make fun of each other there was you know a lot of ridicule a lot of just being mean to each other and so he nicknamed me chopper chop and so I was always called chopper chop because chopper chop is the lolly that's round so I was like a round fat chopper chop I wasn't fat I was just a bit heavier than my sister and it, you know they thought it was great joke so I was very often called that that's a terrible thing that's a really bad thing obviously that's the makings of an eating disorder in a young girl which is actually what happened with me um but there's so much that comes with that you know just build up a child don't pull them down especially when it comes to body image it's one of the worst things you could ever do <laughs> um so yeah just definitely did not feel safe and so bringing it back now to as an adult and different examples um and not being safe um one of my greatest examples that I still just shudder when I think about was being in a situation um with a sibling I'd got caught up in a messy situation of theirs and I was my children I was staying at their house and my sibling set me up in a situation where all the children were out of the house and where her husband um cornered me and just raged at me um there was a situation that I'd got caught up in and so he was angry that I'd been interfering and absolutely raged at me and I was terrified just so terrified it was such an unsafe situation to be in um an angry voice a yelling voice and a swearing voice is not a nice place to be in and I was so frightened and I was on my own I was you know away from my home I didn't have anyone safe around me and um it was awful and I had to just go get my kids pack everyone up and just get out of there and get home back to my safe place and I got a lot of conversation put on me about that um trying to express how I felt to my sibling and then it wasn't okay and you know I was completely gaslighted about that I don't like using these label terms but that isn't a very good example it wasn't that bad don't be ridiculous don't overreact you know wasn't even scary all of that it was it was very frightening to me it was extremely frightening and a very very unsafe experience that nobody should be put into and it was scary um and they're the sort of things that you know with 
unhealthy relationships can happen. And I know that because I know what healthy relationships operate like. And so I always swing it back to how my family operates. And we would never do that to each other. We never, ever put each other in uncomfortable situations. Of course, there are issues in our family all the time. Every family has issues. There's always something going on and someone, you know, just all sorts of things. But everybody feels safe. No one is going to rage at somebody. No one is going to, you know, have an attack and have a big verbal attack and a big rage attack. And these rage attacks are so frightening. And they're the sort of things that I got into with my mum over and over again as a young adult when I was living at home and also not living at home. Um, Many phone calls of very heightened emotional um difficult conversations um as an adult as a married adult so not living with my mum you know it took me a long time to work out to stop giving her opportunity for that um but that took a long time for me to learn that so there were many 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 times where I was in those situations and they are so they're very very frightening um and so all of those Years and years and years, I guess, growing up not feeling safe, um, then stays with you as an adult with that person. So you don't you don't grow up with the mother feeling like that, and then everything's okay when you're an adult, and you can put all that away, and you know, be okay with her. You're always on guard, always, and she continued very much much more so than as a child as a child it was more a neglectful thing you just weren't safe to say anything um express opinions and you know have have conversations but as an adult when all the independence and the breaking away separating from the mother came into it that's when it got really 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 hectic and it was seriously dangerous levels of not being safe. Um, just having some more water. I get thirsty when I'm talking. I'm driving in peak hour traffic and it's really hectic today. It's still raining here in Queensland. It just doesn't seem to ever be stopping. Um, and yeah, I've just been in that many situations with my mum. Um, and just turning up at her house, not feeling safe. And as I developed more awareness in the last 10 years, I guess, is when I've really done so much work, um, developing awareness and working through everything and putting strategies in place. That's when I really became aware of, of my emotions and my feelings towards um being near her and realizing how frightened I would feel and and do feel today but today I just don't put myself there but if I was to go to my mum today I know I would be in total fear absolute fear and all of those reasons a lot of it um all the reasons I've said but also because I'm would never be sure what she's going to say to me 
and she would nearly always say something to me and just thinking growing up living in her home her coming into my bedroom I would be terrified because why is she coming in what is she going to say to me what is wrong now what have I done what big conversation are we gonna have to have and the amount of talks that I had to have with my parents you know about something they're concerned about or all sorts of things just I try not to have talks with my children um, and <clears throat> I do it in a joking way if one of them's there I'll just say I just want to talk to you about something because you know, the amount of times that's been said to me and then they'd be like what what do you want and obviously I'm not going to do that and get into a big serious heavy conversation with them when I do need when I we do talk to them um you know we'll do it in the best way we possibly can we'll open up the conversation in a safe safe space a safe way um and keep it keep it safe there's no other word for it but safe you don't want them to feel guarded uh, worried um trying to think there's a word that's not quite coming to my mind that is the most appropriate but you want to feel you don't want them to get their back up and just you know shut down before we've even been able to open a conversation and that's what would happen with me every time I would instantly get guarded and then instantly shut down and every contact with my mum in the last well my whole life that's how I would operate guarded and shut down guarded and shut down and that's why we never had normal proper conversation because I would always be on guard and the conversation would never be healthy and safe so I would shut down and that's it's all just so dangerous that's how a person goes inside they go internally inside and they can get locked away there I'm sure that's what happened to my dad he was locked inside for so many years with depression, his mental health stuff. But he'd just gone way, way inside. Um, and no doubt for all the same reasons. He just didn't have any awareness. And he had a lot, um, you know, a lot of that was on him. He had his own choices. But he no doubt wasn't safe with my mum either I'm pretty sure he was always in trouble for things and always copying it for stuff so it would have been the same thing happening to him he just didn't know and he um, contributed a fair bit too as well because he did a lot of this stuff too you know I never had a normal just fun conversation with my dad any conversation any communication I had with my parents were always about something serious and intense and you know something they were concerned about we didn't just have a good old chat we never had a good old chat about anything um siblings of mine would have no doubt I don't know I can't speak for them we all have a very different story in the journey completely different story so I'm not even gonna try to think about what it was like for my siblings because all I can say is from my story 
but yeah with my parents it was always just a talk out of concern and the amount of times when I was living at home oh just countless times of hearing them whispering not whispering talking and you know they they didn't seem capable of whispering because you could always hear them but they'd always be talking you know in a room and you know they're talking about you you don't feel safe I can't even imagine what that would do to one of my kids if they often heard me and their dad talking to each other about them it's not okay all that stuff and while it might sound little when you accumulate all of these things into one big package it's big it's not little it's big um and even if you were doing that with about one of your kids but also having healthy time and communication with them you know that would help but we didn't have I didn't have the opposite of that it was just all this all the unsafe conversations and talking um and I could never it's not like I could just easily comfortably walk in and sit down and you know and chat with my parents and talk about something or if I knew they were talking about me just go in and enter the conversation and we discuss it in a healthy way it just wasn't possible I was not I had no freedom to have a voice that's what it comes down to absolutely no freedom to have a voice and to communicate express my thoughts my um, story my you know explanation of something um, it just wasn't possible so you know that brings me back to just never feeling safe never feeling safe to be to speak never feeling safe to speak that's what it all comes down to I absolutely love the quote speak even if your voice shakes it's kind of like my motto that's what I'm doing right now right now with these podcasts I'm speaking even though my voice is shaking I am a little bit frightened not frightened but I know I'm going out on a limb doing this I know there's an element of risk here I know I have a sibling that knows about it and is listening which I'm not comfortable with and I know they could easily um, tell my whole family and you know all sorts of commotion could erupt from that but I spent so many years shut inside and not speaking at all and never being heard no one ever being there to listen to me apart from my beautiful husband um, that I am taking a step out and speaking yes my voice is shaking I know that it's a bit of a um, risky thing to do it's a little bit frightening but I am doing this because it's important and it's necessary for me. Um, so that is what I'm doing because I spent so many years hiding in the dark in a corner um, because of all these things that I'm talking about. Years and years of not feeling safe, too scared to speak, too scared to ever say anything about anything. That. I'm now changing all of that and I am speaking out and I am 
talking about what things were like and have been like and are still like for me today um I've just been talking about my mum mainly and my my father but it's the same with my siblings I do not have never felt safe with any of with them um I'm hesitating because my twin sister and I have a different um, story. Like I can sort of group the other siblings together, but we were very close. So we did sort of absolutely cling together through our growing up years, very, very much so. Um, And for quite a few years of our adult years, things did shift. Um, There, we sort of both went in different directions so um I'm not completely talking about her when I'm saying with my siblings but with the others definitely just not safe it's this it was all the same sort of thing I wasn't free to to say anything to say an opinion to discuss anything and a really good example of that is Um, in my adult years with my father and all his health problems and the craziness that that journey was um, it was seriously insane many many years of him in and out of hospital and mostly in and out of the psych hospital and so many episodes of severe depression and his suicide attempts and everything but I had no freedom to ever speak about it and I tried several times many times I'd given up on trying to talk to my mum, realising that that just wasn't a possibility. Um, So I very much tried with my siblings, but it just wasn't a safe option, definitely not. I wasn't able to talk about any of my experiences, any of my feelings, any of the things that I felt I needed to talk about, and I still feel that, but I'm definitely never going to try and ask for that ever again I don't I definitely don't want to do that now but for many years I did because I really thought it would be helpful for us all to just um, openly talk about things but um, yeah it just it just wasn't possible but I also knew I wasn't safe to do that and I'm just thinking it's quite ironic because um, I'm trying to think how to word it, but I haven't I haven't had a relationship with most of the siblings, and I haven't really probably done my part as far as spending time with them. Like I haven't organised to have dinners with them or have any any of them over. One of my brothers I did, definitely, a lot. But, yeah, like I didn't really put in my part of the effort. I'm thinking about it. Neither did they. So I probably shouldn't beat myself up too much here because neither did they. Um, But what I'm getting at is we didn't have just a kind of friendship relationship. But that that was for me because... I didn't feel safe with them maybe if we had that I might have felt safe and then wanted to have more of a friendship relationship I don't know um well yeah no I do know it would definitely be but I didn't want to sort of 
pursue trying to have some kind of friendship relationship with them because I didn't feel safe. A classic one is my oldest sister, the golden daughter. Um, there was no relationship between us with my growing up years and I've done absolutely nothing in my adult years to try and build on that and try and create one. Neither has she again. But um, I, I wouldn't do that. I just wouldn't do that because I don't feel safe with her. She's one of the biggest ones who I definitely wouldn't feel safe with. Um, I've just view her as someone who has no ability to have an emotional conversation. Um, what I mean by that is talking in an emotional context about anything. And um, the things that I would want to talk about, all this normal stuff that should be have been talked about, um, it just wouldn't be possible. And it wouldn't be a safe conversation. I would not feel safe because I would no doubt be hit with all the religious take on it and honouring your parents and praying more and spending more time with God. You know, that was a very much a mindset of my family that if we just prayed about a situation, that's all you needed to do to fix a situation, just pray about it, pray more for something. I have serious questions with that one. I've emphasized very much that I am a believer in prayer. I have faith in all of that and a, a, a strong faith in God. But I also have very much a, um, you know, life is not black and white. There's lots of gray areas in life. And there's a lot of psychological basis to a lot of things and things can't just be fixed through prayer. While prayer can definitely help, of course, definitely, um, you've got to take into consideration a lot of psychological elements to things, especially in our family situation. I mean, it's crazy even just saying this because my dad had such huge mental health issues so that is a psychological thing um <laughs> I'm just sort of laughing a little bit about it because I'm thinking if my dad was you know if they prayed so much how come he he suffered for so many years how come and my thoughts on that is because it was, a lot of it was psychological stuff that needed to be addressed. That's what my take is on it. And same with our family problems. If they all pray so much, how come my family's been so full of so many problems for so many years? And that would be because a lot of it, there is psychological elements to it all that need to be addressed and considered and has never been done. So that's my take on that one. Um, I might leave it there. I'll no doubt add more to this on my drive home because I've sort of, well, think about it and think of little bits that I can add that I wanted to say that I just haven't thought about now. But um, I hope I've made some sense here and just talking about what it means to not feel safe. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a beautiful day. Hi, I'm back. I've just finished my shift and I'm just going to continue talking a bit more about what I was talking about this morning. 
Um, this works well for me because I drive home. I pick up a lot of extra shifts working 9 till 3.30 and so driving in peak hour traffic which goes really quickly when I'm doing a podcast so it helps me get home and get to work without it being just a big long drive. Um, so I was talking about what it means to not feel safe and I've sort of done some thinking throughout the day as well and done a little bit of reading up on it and um, one thing I should point out that not feeling safe in a narcissist relationship with a narcissist um, is obviously going to vary for different people depending on what that person is like that they're in a relationship with and what different um there's different types of narcissists so you know it's all going to be an individual thing so just um i'm talking about it mainly just my examples of it and how i would explain that i wouldn't feel safe and don't feel safe um And as I had said, there's so many little things, but the little things all accumulate to make it a big thing. So while it does sound all pretty pretty minor, if someone who didn't have an understanding of it was sort of listening to, um, it all adds up to being pretty major. so as I said you don't just don't feel safe on so many levels and it's that you just you don't feel safe um oh gosh it's just in so many ways so just with um you're always on your guard an example is you just got to be very careful what you share with the narcissist because if you give too much personal information they don't sort of listen to you and hear you like a normal person would and listen in a healthy way they'll sort of listen and everything they hear from you they hear in context to them in relation to them how it affects them or how they view it from their mind um it's all very kind of warped stuff and they can use it back on you as well so they won't give you genuine empathy for things but they'll um and they may throw it back on you it could be in a, a day's time a week's time a couple of months time a couple of years time and you know if you've shared something about yourself something personal they may just throw that right back on you um five years later and you know that's why you should understand them more or or just so many ways and such stupid stuff but real stuff (laughs) I feel like I'm not making any sense here but um it does make sense when you when you actually live these situations you just got to be so careful all the time and always on your guard not to overshare with them not to give them too much um and they're always wanting more than what you are able to give you'll never be able to give them 
all that they want. They, they are so needy and their needs are so great. If you research narcissists, it's literally called feeding them. You, you, they need to be fed. It, it makes them sound like a beast and it's actually kind of the imagery that you get when you're dealing with one of these people because it does feel like that. Um, and yeah, they're, they're wanting to be fed. So they're wanting their ego needs to be fed and all their neediness needs to be fed. They can just be so, so needy. And what you give them is just never enough. It's just never enough. You may have, you know, done something for them, but it wasn't nearly enough to them. They wanted so much more from you. And what they want is actually impossible for a person to give you either can't physically achieve what they're wanting from you or you can't mentally achieve it and it's really exhausting and quite overwhelming because they really are so forceful and they put on they put their needs on you in such a forceful way that you literally can't meet them you just can't and what happens then is you just get in trouble so you'll cop their Rage. It's, it's either in a rage or a subtle, um, completely the opposite. You might get stonewalled if you haven't given them what they wanted. Stonewalling is a very common tactic to, that they use. Um, it's a common, commonly used phrase here and I don't like using these label terms but that is, these are all what, what it's called. So stonewalling is a silent treatment. So if they're not happy with you, you haven't met their needs or done what they expected you to do. Red light camera ahead. Oh, here we go again. Um, then they will they can do things like stonewall you and just give you the silent treatment. And so often you don't even know why, you don't know what you've done, or you know what you've done, but you didn't see it as possible to do it any other way and it might have been a completely normal thing that you've done um, but to them they are not happy with you and they're really mad at you so they're going to either you know demonstrate that and show you and be verbally um, display it verbally or do the opposite and give you the cold treatment the silent treatment and all of those things and they're all red light camera sorry they're all equally bad it doesn't matter if they yell at you or just give you a big bombard message of of you know telling you off or just silent treating you it's all awful stuff all of it um and so they're all the reasons that you don't feel safe you just constantly on your guard are they going to be happy with me? Are they going to be mad with me? What are they going to be like today? What is their mood going to be like today? Are they going to be up or are they going to be down? And it's, it's impossible to have a normal relationship with somebody that's like this all the time. And I do mean all the time. They're not always going to be super difficult, but when they're not being difficult you're on your guard so heightened senses of like being wary because you just don't trust it 
you do, do not trust why are they okay at the moment something must be brewing or how long will this last this can't be right this isn't normal for them to be quite so nice to me and so you're even more on your guard then um, than when you are <laughs> copying the treatment um, and I spoke this morning what really makes all this evident to me was when I began raising my own children and became a mum and I just became so conscious of what I needed to do to do good parenting and so much of my good parenting you know I say it in inverted commas because it's all just it's a no-brainer to most of us um, what to do and what not to do so many of us that you know do a fairly good job as parents we just do what we naturally know to do our natural instincts tell us to do and so that's when it became really obvious to me what I didn't get and wasn't um hadn't been getting and never got and still wasn't getting and all of that stuff um and I'm not trying to make myself sound like, you know, put myself on a pedestal and just say I've done an amazing job parenting and I've done everything right and I definitely haven't. I've made, of course, I've made a lot of mistakes and I have said before that the early years, I didn't cope at all in the baby years when I was having my babies. That's when I was a real mess and I was really hugely affected by my mum and she was just putting so much difficulty on me and I was in a really difficult stage of my life so I was not the best um, person that I I was far from the best person that I could have been and should have been therefore I wasn't the best mum and I wasn't coping so I did lose my temper a lot I no doubt yelled at my kids a lot and um, all of those things I'm ashamed of that very much so but at the same time I didn't have knowledge I didn't have any help I was very lost and still very very broken Um, and it was because I recognized all of that that led me to do everything I could to get help and fix myself, repair myself, overcome everything, change everything, drop, learn behaviours, all of that, that led me on this journey to get better, recover, heal, all of that. Um, So I think I could definitely say um, for the first few years, no, I wasn't doing the best job, but after that, I really did do a pretty good job as a mum. And so did my husband. You know, we both, I suppose everyone is a new parent. It's a rocky couple of years, just finding, learning the ropes and how to do things. Um, but yeah, as, as our kids, you know, transformed from babies and toddlers into little people, I think that's when we really kicked in how to do it right. And I think we did. I think my kids would say that. Um, and one of the things I've always been very aware of, one of my boys, sorry, I just had another phone call. Um, yes, I was saying one of our boys is a very soft-natured boy 
and we, he, we've known that since he was born and he's very sensitive and he has a very similar personality and nature to myself. Um, and I'm kind of laughing at that because I wish he didn't. I wish, I, I wish he didn't. Life is hard when you're a soft-natured person like me. But anyway, my point is we've always been very, very aware that we had to treat him with extra special care. We very much knew that we could very easily damage him, that we had to be so gentle with him that he could be wounded very, very easily. He could be hurt very easily that just a harsh look, let alone a harsh word for him, was just too much for him. He would just, he was so sensitive and so much wanted to just make you happy and have your approval and be a good boy and just do the right thing and all of that. And we could so easily wound him just by being harsh with him, but especially if we used harsh words. Um, so we had to be very careful and we always have been with him. And so what I'm getting at is because he has the same nature, um, it's really evident why I was so damaged because I had all the opposite to what we do with him. Um, so I had all of those things, the harsh words and um, I was not treated with care, not at all. I wasn't, oh, my mum would say all the time, oh, we treat all our children the same. I don't know why you have the problem and just always say that we treat all our children the same. And one, that is not true. She definitely did not treat all her children the same. But two, you can't treat them all the same. They all have different characteristics and personalities and strengths and all of those things. So you have to identify that in your child and treat them accordingly. You cannot treat all of your children the same, like they're all the same person in this pack, just giving them the same treatment. You definitely can't do that. Um, and you know that explains to me why I was just so incredibly damaged maybe another child with a stronger personality a more robust personality and a completely different um, whole persona would have been raised like I was and not as greatly affected maybe not as well definitely maybe not they might have turned out much angrier than I ever did. But you definitely, um, you know, you've, you've just got to handle kids with care, so much so. And yeah, that just became really evident to me with my son who um, is very sweet-natured and soft-natured how much we could just damage him just so easily. So my husband and I have always been just so, so careful to manage him so that he would, like, create confidence in him. He naturally didn't have much confidence 
and so we just did everything we could to build him up and encourage him and listen to him and hear him and notice him and praise him and not be too harsh with him not not be too harsh with our words be very aware that he is more sensitive and all of that stuff um so yeah we just (laughs) i just think parenting is such a huge job you have so much responsibility in raising a child so that they grow to be a healthy-minded adult and you as a parent are the number one person in the whole world that your child needs to feel safe with and if they can't feel safe with their parent who's meant to be like their protector the number one caregiver their teacher their advocate all of those things if they don't feel any of that from their parent then they're going to have some pretty heavy trust issues with the whole world and difficulty in trusting other people in general and all sorts of things like that they need to feel safe first and foremost with their parents um and if there's just a one-off occasion or you know the odd occasion here and there where they don't feel safe with the parent in their childhood that's very different to a constant and if a child is raised constantly not feeling safe and secure and validated and noticed and heard and all of those things they're not going to feel safe at all and it's going to have all sorts of consequences for that child as they turn into a person then going to have trust issues all all around and um, trouble connecting and relating to other people and all those sort of things but their relationship with those parents is never going to be a sound secure one and that's absolutely no fault of that child the child has done nothing to create it to be like that and that's one of the big problems Um, with a narcissistic mother she'll put all that blame on the person especially when they become an adult and she's wanting all these needs met by that child the child that's now an adult the mother is demanding and expecting and wanting all these needs met but she didn't feel those needs in the beginning she did not feel those needs for that child when they were a child and um, she wasn't there for them when they needed her to be and she didn't meet all the things that they just needed not not needed it was essential it was all essential for um, the upbringing of a kid and if she didn't meet all of that it can't just be created by the adult child when they're grown up they can't have all of that deficit from that person and then just push all that aside and meet the needs of that person the person that was supposed to meet their needs when they were an infant and a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and a 13-year-old it can't just happen and that's what I found has happened so much with my mum 
no relationship was created at all when I was a kid. You know, she had me for 20 years and her job was to instill all those things in me plus build the relationship and all of that. She didn't do any of that. She did nothing to make that happen but then has spent the last 20, 30 years of my adult life accusing me of not um, being in a relationship with her and not wanting to spend any time with her and not... Um, you know, allowing any space for her in my life and not, not basically just not having a relationship with her. I, I can't, that can't be put on me. It was not my, it's not my fault when she was the one that was meant to build that and establish that from the very beginning. I can't be held accountable to make it all happen when it didn't happen when it should have happened. Um... I hope this makes sense. It's kind of sounding a bit confusing as I'm saying it, but I know what I'm, I'm meaning, so I hope it's coming across like that. Because um, that's been a really difficult for one for me. I you know, noticed that years ago, that how can I be in trouble all the time for not having a relationship with her when it was her responsibility to build one from you know my earliest days and I swing that back onto my kids that would 100% be my responsibility if I didn't put time into them and a good example of that is a working mom who's out working all the time and um, not there for her kids during their whole upbringing and then when they become adults you know she hasn't spent much time with them and then wanting to you know, have relationships with them wondering why it's not there. My mum, even though she was a stay-at-home mum, was no different to that. She was not there. She was not emotionally there with us and for us. So it just, it can't just be switched on when that child is now, you know, 25 and just have this amazing relationship with the mum. It needed to be built, needed to be built from the beginning. Um, so I do hope that all makes sense. I might, I don't know, do I have anything else to say? Um, I hope I have been clear. Being, feeling unsafe is a very, very definite element to this whole being in a relationship with a narcissist. It's a constant feeling of not feeling safe. You're not safe with your feelings, with your words, with your experiences. You're never sure what they're going to be like every single time you see them um and it's just a constant it's not an occasional it's a constant and as i said there are different levels obviously depends on what the person is like but you can never underestimate the power of not feeling safe emotionally um so i'll leave it there i hope i have made sense and thank you again for listening